So good morning, everybody. I'm out in California with Ellie and the Bonsai Pipeline this morning. So got getting my surfing in early. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what all the cool surfers do. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What can gosh. I say? Dick Dale, Dick Dale and the Deltones. Absolutely the best surf guitar out there. God rest them. This one has Stevie Ray Vaughan with them, too. It was another fantastic oh, artist. Oh, Stevie Ray. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Career cut down way too soon. Yep. Um, he was only, what, 30? Like, Something he was like young. That. He was very young. I know. He, he was very young. I don't know his exact age when he died. Yeah. Yeah. But great talent. Great talent. Absolutely. Good morning, Pammy. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm just peachy, getting a little anxious. I get my shot today at 2.30. Congratulations, Mazel Tov, yes. for getting us. It's been challenging to get vaccines. Uh, so I, I know that uh, it's, it was very challenging. I have a friend who um, lives near you um, who got an appointment for Tuesday in York, Pennsylvania, which is a good hour and a half from her house. And her uh -huh. husband got one in Chambersburg, which is another like 45 minutes past there. So I know, I know, I know there are a lot of people who are like driving for hours mm -hmm. so they can get their vaccines, but everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, it's, I, uh, I if heard. you can, and if, if you're, if it's safe for you to do so, um, go for it, go for it. And uh, I was—I've been told that um, I, that if Rite Aid, if you if you try to get your shots at Rite Aid, go at midnight because that's when they reset everything. Um, um like for the sign-up sheet online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so there's all kinds. Of Betty's telling you to flex your arm, Pam. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With the vaccine, Pam will be immortal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I already thought Pam was immortal. Betty. Sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> you know, it depends it, how much vodka you have. Well, yeah, it, you know, and it's like my, my, the philosophy of life is sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> I love that. Is it like, are you a pimp or are you a hoe? Yeah. Is it or, that you know, kind of uh... <laughs> Sometimes you eat the bear and sometimes the bear eats you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's going to be a great podcast. I can already tell. <laughs> well, it's a full moon. <laughs> it is a full moon. I think the snow moon, right? I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. I'm not sure. But I want to say good morning. I see Betty, um, Ashley. It's great to see you online. Lori from from Texas and mm -hmm. Kenzie Kens, I see, has popped mm -hmm. on. So good morning to you all. Um, I am just so glad to that we can talk a little bit about SR today. I've been in work world a lot this uh, week. It's been very intense. All good. I'm very thankful. I love my job. I actually do love my job, which is great. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of a lot of things to do, and I was working on something late yes. um, until late last night. So I'm a little groggy this morning. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Betty says she has a feeling you have a special bottle of vintage in your cellar. <laughs> William, William was very kind. <laughs> <laughs> and Lori actually says, completely relax your arm before they put the shot in, then it won't be sore. 
So, mm-hmm. all good advice. Well, all you know, advice. after having a flu shot, you know, I, I know that, and I don't normally do flu shots, so that was the first shot I think I've had in about five years, but mm-hmm. so this will be interesting because now I'm getting two, one today and one the March 27th, so. I was curious when you had your follow-up. You know, they set it up. I'm actually uh, going through, uh, there's a, a recreation center in West Philadelphia that um, is taking certain zip codes because of the high COVID vaccine um, uh, population of African Americans mm-hmm. and uh, COVID deaths. My zip code okay. happens to be the highest as far as um, the amount as, of people. Uh, infection been, rates? Infection rates in Philadelphia are, are the ha- highest in Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. uh, the amount of deaths, obviously, because we have five or six nursing homes around us, so that's kind of did that in. Yeah. But, so. Well, are, we're getting there, friends. We are getting are. there slowly by slowly. And I'm I'm working with a um, or I'm going in with a group from the Doctors Black Consortium. Uh, Dr. Stanford, I think her name is Marjorie Stanford, who mm-hmm. uh, started this group, and she did a did a group last week at Temple University, and they're doing it doing what I'm my thing today. So I'm I'm, I'm nervously excited for that. Well, good. I hope all goes well, mm-hmm. and um, that that will be really really a, another good step towards some peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all still have to be vigilant and yeah. we will. So I am, um, I'll, after the podcast, in fact, uh, I have to keep it a little bit tight because, and good morning, Ellie. Um, my daughter is moving into a new apartment. So we are moving, it's mm-hmm. moving day in the, the hundred percent rain forecast is awesome. Yes. But, well, um, it's a light rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh. But like I'm very happy she found a place. <laughs> she, well, she literally was kind of in the last week of she can only stay where she's at for another week. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is the weekend she had to move. So um, she thought she'd be moving back home, but she was able to find a place. So I'm very oh, happy good. for her. That's good. Yeah. So um, how about we uh, share a little bit of SR news? Sure. It's not the news no, but that he's news. been touting about. But there is good news. Um, Tuscan or Teamer in Italy, and, and according to SRs, he's re, uh, ready to they're ready to resume uh, filming Gabriel's Rapture, and he's been consulting on various things, and it's been exciting and fantastic. Uh, Tuscan's attention to detail is incredible, and they've assembled a fantastic team of Americans and Italians, and we are in for a treat. Um, he also I cannot wait and mm-hmm. and the pictures they they've been posting have been beautiful and I understand that um, Julio did a sparring Instagram live this morning a spot for a sparring match some charity match he's going into or something like that um, oh, I missed it I would have loved to have seen that Ashley you know may have seen about, it. you know how I feel about the sweet. What do they call it? The, the sweets, the sweet sport, the sweet. What I don't know. boxing. I don't boxing wrestling. I, I know. I, I, I know. Them for a long time ago. 
Um, also, <laughs> the sweet I, science. The sweet science. That's yes, what it is. Okay. Um, also, he says uh, he can also tell you that my agent has been busy and more foreign rights deals are coming up. Can't announce them yet because they're still in process. Also, he found out this week that Dreamlit, his Danish pu publisher, has already produced audiobooks in Danish of the first three Gabriel books. And he's trying to get the word out about that. So, fun! I know. Fun, fun. I thought that was great that um, the Danish version was coming out. Mm -hmm. I mean, more, more fans in Scandinavia. Although I know a lot of the Danes are really um are English are bilingual with English too and probably he's probably had some fans reading already but I love being able to have the books in everybody's um it's awesome. native language I think it's so cool um and of course uh the Emmer Zooms are back um mm -hmm. I believe 2 p.m today correct they're doing chapter three and four um if you're interested in signing up uh, check out the Facebook page, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, there's information out there about it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I won't be able to join today because I'm helping my daughter move. Um, well, neither will I but, because I'm getting my vaccine. <laughs> well, and, that's important. I want to I want to catch I want to catch and read up because I know they're doing. Um, they've been doing some different posts during the week, and mm -hmm. um, I want to read up about that. So. And, and Ashley says she's so happy the Emmer Zooms are back. So that's good. Yes, Ellie, I, I want to thank great. you. I, uh, I hope the second one goes well too. I don't know which one you had. I'm getting the Moderna. And I know yesterday I took my neighbor Phil for his second shot at the Veterans Administration, and his niece who lives with him had her second shot at a different location yesterday, both for Pfizer and. Um, Mar Marlene actually ended up in the emergency room for uh, after her shot because she did have somewhat of a reaction to it. So, yeah, keeping and Ellie Ellie said she had Moderna as well. Cool. cool. So, so did my sister. Very good, and and I saw the Johnson and Johnson vaccine just, has yeah. been approved. So that means more will be up available for folks so which is good ashley noted the julio sparring live today is in an hour so um, she might have to leave early i do not blame you if you do um it should be good i'm, I'm sure tosca is loving the fact that he's in a sparring match uh, as they're filming oh yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> he's probably gonna have all the headgear on i'm I sure hope to so. protect his face so no, protect so no his losing, asset <laughs> no losing of teeth <laughs> Oh, no gosh. above the eyes. Man, if anyone can reach him, he's so tall. I mean, and he has such a huge span. Like, you know, he mm -hmm. definitely would have a, an advantage um, because of his, his size in terms of keeping people away. So um, I really liked this chapter. I thought this was a really, um, it had a lot of, uh, a lot of goodness in it. Um, Absolutely. So I, I was excited about reading it. Um, you know, when we were preparing for the podcast, I looked through it and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we have a lot, there's a lot of good stuff to discuss in here mm -hmm. and unpack. And mm -hmm. um, so happy to see Monica joining us. Good afternoon, Bom Gia or Bom Tarde. I'm, I know I messed it up, Mon, but it's good to see you good on. Good to see you. Um, and yes, Betty, Lady Picton is back. 
And we start the chapter with Lady Picton telling Gabriel that you just simply cannot decline the sage lectures. Um, they were having tea with uh, Catherine um, at the Lennox Hotel. Um, she was having Darjeeling, Darjeeling, right? Yep. Um, with a slice of lemon, of course, because Catherine is always very particular about her tea. Um, at the Lennox Hotel in Boston, they were sitting in the lobby in front of a roaring fire. And again, SR paints these beautiful uh, settings, right? You could envision them being at the hotel in Boston. Absolutely. Um, sitting in front of this beautiful uh, fire place. And in fact, I wanted to um, share with you, we did pull the link from the hotel. Um, if you want to see it, I will copy the link in the and, chapter for you and Betty's, and the chat box for you. And Betty's telling us we have to sit properly and drink tea. And the reality <laughs> yes, of, tea for you, uh, in reality, there should never be a pinky heart on when you're drinking tea. Yes, uh, Betty says, I feel like Lady Picton is more strict about rules and tea etiquette than the Queen Mum herself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good possibility. A good yes. Possibility. So they're enjoying their tea. Uh, you can see the scene, sweet Claire in her car seat sitting next to Catherine, of course, because Catherine wanted her right next to her. Um, she suggested they help themselves to a scone. And as they were enjoying them, and of course, you know, you're on your best behavior with uh, Catherine, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to tea time. Absolutely. And she starts to explain uh, the importance of the sage lectures. And it's such a feather in his cap and will greatly expand his opportunities in academia. And she said, you don't want to stay at Boston University forever, do you, Gabriel? And it actually surprised Julia when Catherine asked him if he wanted to stay there. And Gabriel did admit that the cross between religious and romantic romance studies was not ideal because as you guys remember, he's actually in the, the religious studies program. Mm -hmm. um, that's how they could bring them in because of uh, their, their course offerings um, and their, their courses of study. And she said, um, of course not. And then Julia, on the other hand, can't continue to delay her doctoral program. She has mm -hmm. to continue to get on with it. So I'm sure they kind of were a little flummoxed when she said that because she's like, well, Gabriel, you don't want to be there forever. And then, Julia, you got to get, wow. you, you know, you do have to get things moving on the road. You know, you did have the detour of having the baby, but you don't want to sit back. And I think she's just trying to give them her advice in terms of, career counseling mm -hmm. um, based on her hard-won, um, you know, life experiences. True. And, 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 and you uh, know, when you're in academia, <laughs> if you're a really good professor, you don't stay at one college forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, or you can be there, but you're loaned out. You know, you'll go do a semester here, a visiting professor here. Um, and as Betty noted, nothing wrong with the religious program, Gabriel. Cough, cough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wonder why she said that. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> so we actually asked SR, um, given the setting, um, if he's ever visited um, the Lennox Hotel. 
And he said, I like the Lenox very much. And it has a great location in the Back Bay area of Boston. Mm -hmm. So another stop on your your SR tour, if you want to uh, visit places that SR has uh, has visited or where he's walked. Um, yeah. At the so Lenox Hotel and, and Back and, Bay. So. And Norwood, Massachusetts. Yes. I was born. Yes. I, I lived there. Mm-hmm. My sister learned how to speak there. <laughs> Because she was one, two years old, however old you are, when you start talking. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, and good afternoon, Susanna. Great to see you today. Good to see you. So the other question we asked SR um, at this point in the story is if there was any specific reason why you selected Darjeeling, Darjeeling with a slice of lemon as Catherine's beverage of choice. And he said that Darjeeling, and I will have to practice pronouncing that, um, is considered by tea drinkers to be the champagne of tea. But its refined flavor clashes with milk, I think. So it has to be lemon. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, makes perfect sense because Catherine is so precise. Or you could drink and, it like uh, me with one lump. Yeah, or, or a shot. <laughs> mm. Or a shot whiskey so um betty says i guess that means no dunkin dunkin donuts for professor picton <laughs> so so Catherine's continuing their discussion and she came to the point asking if they called uh, her for advice and she didn't want to presume so gabriel said yes very that they would appreciate any suggestions that she would have um, because they're considering these things and um, they're going to have to talk further. And seeking advice from Catherine was a tricky business, uh, the Emersons knew, um, like getting advice from the Queen of England, because if you did not follow her advice that she offered, she would not be amused by that. That's, that's and uh, As Kelly <laughs> points out, it's another way to include a lemon. I know, Ellie, as soon as I read that, I thought... Oh my gosh, he wove the lemon in there. You could put a little <laughs> lemoncello in there too. So. <laughs> oh, now 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 you're talking. That would really bump that would really bump things up. So we um asked SR if uh, we asked SR did Gabriel and Julia approach the conversation leaning toward accepting Catherine's advice, more or less going in thinking, "Oh, they'll probably do what she says," knowing that she would not be amused if it was ignored. And SR responded, I think they know she's an ally and would trust her wisdom advice, but ultimately they'd have to talk about it. So um, I was just curious, you know, knowing how kind of domineering and strong she is, um, mm -hmm. if they kind of thought they would. And But as SR said, they do trust her wisdom and advice because she is an ally. And... Um, Another question we had asked him <laughs> as, uh, you know, because since she's been so uh, direct with them, especially about Julia's, uh, you know, not dragging her feet on her uh, doctoral program, we asked Estar, has Catherine always been unflappable and direct? He said, yes. I once heard her say motherfucker simply to get a rise out of a group of people. And you know what? I loved that answer when I, <laughs> when, when I read it. And 
put it oh into the nose. Oh my gosh. I was. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, I, I love the fact that she'll say things to get a rise out of people because I, I mm-hmm. sometimes do that myself. And so I just connected <laughs> with her and that so much. I mean, I, I don't normally curse, but when I do, I do it. You for, make it count. Yes. <laughs> Motherfucker is a good wife. I can just imagine it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes right up there with Cotton Swallow Bright Pan. <laughs> does. Oh my gosh. So, uh, Catherine said you could ask the University of Edinburgh to stay and delay your appointment so Julia could finish her coursework and pass her examinations. Then you could all go together. She held her plate with one hand and adjusted Claire's blanket with the other. And Julia thought that was a good idea. Um, and she said so to Catherine. But mm-hmm. Catherine said, oh, but I advise against doing that. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine Julia was starting to get excited. And then Catherine kind of shot her down. And Julia asked why Catherine, why Catherine felt that way and why she said that. And Catherine went on to explain that the world of academia was small and petty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to pay attention because uh, optics count. They do. Um, she, she looked at Gabriel um, and said, you know, if, if Edinburgh feels slighted, they could pull the invitation if you say you're going to delay your appointment. And it's something they do not need considering the persistent rumors of what happened at the University of Toronto. And this kind of annoyed Gabriel um, because he's like, you know, Toronto's old news and, you know, they're married. So I, Gabriel feels the marriage is such an absolution of anything that happened in Toronto. But she and he said, really, it's no one's business but their own. And Catherine was very clear. She says, look, I am not defending these troublemakers. I'm not defending the people who have these petty minds. But the academic world is a bit chauvinistic. You're a white male, and that means the patriarchy at the university is slanted in your favor. Um, This also meant that it would not bend kindly to a man who would sacrifice their prestigious offer to stay at home in America with his wife and child. And, um, you know, we asked SR about this, and we said, do you believe that optics matter and to deny that is foolish? And SR says yes. Unfortunately, yes. Which I have to say, when I asked the question, I didn't think he was going to answer me on that. Um, so well, he I does. Think, he does recognize that. I, you know, and it's funny uh, because, as liberal as most colleges can be, and a lot of uh, professors are, the in academia and how they want to promote. You know, let's promote, let's promote, let's promote. Whatever cause it may be. It is a very chauvinistic society, and they really do kind of yeah. push women to the side, which is unfortunate. You know, at, at least that's, that's what I've noticed in academia. And there's a lot of tradition, and there's a lot of pomp and circumstance sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, like any institution, there are a lot of politics around it. True. 
and so I, I think even in Europe, though, like in the in the English school systems, I think that's a lot more prevalent. But I, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's happened here too. So yeah, and I'm looking at the chat room. Betty has said that <laughs> Catherine reminds her of Edna Mode in this scene, <laughs> which is great. And um, Ashley notes that it always goes back to demons of the past. You know, they they, they can't chase, they can't erase what happened in Toronto. But you know what? I think that in a way they shouldn't erase it. I mean, it was formative. It brought them together. It, it forged their relationship. It really defined what happened and all the trials and tribulations brought them to where they are now. So, um, and it's, you know, I think it's, it's a strong point. And, um, Betty said, it seems the world of academia is slow in their gossip news, or they like to overanalyze their gossip. I think that's very true. Yes. So Ellie also pointed out that she doesn't think anybody would defy Catherine, but they do have free will and they trust her. But uh, she's also curious about Catherine Picton because she is a real person in a source life. Yes, I know. And so now, you know, then I was wondering, does that mean he really heard Catherine say the real Probably. Catherine Picton say that. Um, I think so too. And so, um, you know, as they were going on, um, Gabriel uh, was sipping his tea, thinking about what Catherine was saying as he sips the tea, it went down the wrong pipe, uh, so to speak. And he started coughing and he sure Catherine, he's okay. But just this whole thing is outrageous. You know, being with his wife and daughter were what was important and his first priority. And I think, again, this goes back. He weaves this whole idea of his promise, Gabriel's promise throughout the whole book. And this is his promise. You know, he's there for them. This is they're his priority. His family is his priority. And I think that's demonstrated here. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, you know. Would they believe that he would throw away this opportunity for nothing, for something that was so insignificant? And, um, you know, he was just appalled by that. Um, And one other question I forgot um, I did want to include um, and share with you before Pam continues the chapter was, um, (laughs) we asked him, why did you choose not to weave Cod Swallop into the chapter? I said, you know, this is a fan favorite, right? That's right? And he stated, well, Catherine cannot be contained. And if she doesn't want to say it, I can't make her say it. See expletive above. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, he was in rare form this week. Yes, he was. So, you know, so, you know, they're, they're talking about all kinds of stuff and, Catherine told tells him that they uh, they would decide that they were not serious, and he being the millennial, which you know, Gabriel is not a millennial. No matter what <laughs> he tries, but he's not a millennial. Mm-hmm. And um, so Julia's like looking at him, like giving him the side eye, and mm-hmm. going on about the optics. Catherine's going on about the optics, and she lifts her chin to Julia. And she says, there's nothing wrong with being a millennial, provided one has intestinal fortitude and a good work ethic. Right. Which is true. You can be anything. Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y. 
<laughs> Boomer. God bless us. That's right. Anyhow. anyhow. Um, so he's like, she, you know, so Gabriel's like, you know, what should we do? And she said, well, uh, she's just thought a little bit and she's like, Harvard would probably be their path of least resistance because this way, you know, the prestige of the sage lectures would come along and, uh, you know, she'd have to uh, get Cecilia and Greg Matthews support, but it was important, uh, they had her support as well, which she was, since she was joining Julie's department the following year. So right. Yeah, I, and I thought that was, I thought that was a good point. You know, I thought, I thought that was really smart because she said, look, Harvard wanted you, Julia, you know, Cecilia was supportive and gave you guidance with about mm -hmm. Claire, mm -hmm. you know, Greg Matthews, I thought highly of you, like, mm -hmm. And I think and that was important for them to hear and for Julia to hear, especially since she's been absolutely. feeling, um, really feeling insecure about her program since she put it on pause. So um, we asked, uh, SR usually Gabriel tends to be sensitive about his age. So why did Julia feel conspicuous when he was said he was too old to be a me uh, millennial? And uh, he responded, I think perhaps because she is one. Mm-hmm. Gabriel's He's being a, a little bit still concerned about, about his the age gap. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. and listen, my my family. I was ten. <laughs> I was ten years younger than my husband. I had no problem with that. We had no, and you know, he, yeah. his his thing was after we had Patrick. You know, I didn't make her a mother. I made myself a grandfather. Because <laughs> it's whatever. You know, he, he was the type of man I'd be walking, you know, I, I'm, I'm like nine months pregnant and barely barely walking in a supermarket and he would go to the tampons and, and menstrual pads <laughs> and say, do you need these yet? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, he had that kind of thing. Yeah. So anyway. I could see that. Oh God, he was. <laughs> I totally could see that. He was paying my ass sometimes. Yeah, it's <laughs> like when he would introduce people. Um, this is my wife Pam, and this is her son from her first marriage, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Pam. Yeah, yeah, I know. So anyway, what a piece of work. He was. He was. God rest him. Mm -hmm. So, but Julie was a little. Lori noted ten years is not very much, by no. the way. And Mom hey. said that's lovely. I have great grandparents that had a seven, two sets of great grandparents that had seventeen year difference in age. One was mm -hmm. the great grandfather was seventeen years older, and the other, my, my great grand, great great grandmother was seventeen years older than her husband. Mm. Which is another interesting combination, but that's that's. Mm -hmm. A line of cougars in my family. Anyway, um, <laughs> Pam, you almost made me choke on my <laughs> coffee. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, you know what are you gonna do? So, anyways, <laughs> so, Julia. Hey, like, more power like, to you, girl. <laughs> hey, God bless us, everyone. Whatever gets you through the night. 
Uh, so Julie was a little fearful, and she she kind of didn't understand what Catherine was getting at. And, she, and so like she says, well, you need to take your, your coursework and write your exams in the winter. Uh, and uh, so her recommendation at that point was, you go to the University of uh, Edinburgh, and you get your coursework done there. And then you, when you come back after the semester's over, you can take your unit, your uh, written exams at that point. But you know, she's I love how Catherine kind of spelled it out for them. You know, look, this is this is it's so simple, right? You know, you do this, you do this, it's done, no problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, Monica, I'm right there with you. Younger boyfriends are a lot more fun. Um, and and Lori said, my brothers are both married to older women. Love is love. That's I, right. Love is I love, love that. Um, so anyway, so she says, you know, Catherine said it's worth a try because, you know, she she actually knew the uh, um, Dante specialist at Edinburgh, you know, because she had apparently he had apparently uh, studied with Professor Woodhouse and which. By the way, this guy was also going to be at Professor Woodhouse's workshop in, at Magdalene in April. So Gabriel was <laughs> do, 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 <laughs> show. So Gabriel was concerned about um, regarding Harvard. What if Edinburgh didn't have the classes that Julia needed? And uh, he said, like, well. You know, you counter with what you, you need to check to see if the before you counter, you got to check and see what the courses are, and uh, make sure it works out. And then, and then, of course, you would have to immediately go talk to Cecilia. It's a proper thing to do, and then then speak with Greg. But it was worth trying for. And you know, she then lowered her voice to you know to them, and you know, like on a like a. In, I can I can visualize when 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 reading that I could totally vision visualize her doing this very discreetly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he like asked if but, but he asked if Lady picked and approved of today's halftime show playlist. Uh, Lady Picton <laughs> would probably roll her eyes at me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so you know, so she's she said you know Harvard would would probably make a big deal out of these sage lectures for Gabriel because it's it's prestigious uh, that a, a former alum or alumna alumnus <laughs> would have this prestigious opportunity so that that would play well and that you know that would you know and the fact that Julia who's not even who's just starting her doctoral program has been asked to speak at this workshop of Don Woodhouse, who is like maybe one of the premier Dante specialists outside of um, somebody at Bard College right now. Lots, I think. <laughs> Someone would know that. She can type it into the chat room if she would like to. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that, that would hopefully push all that into her um, being so, well, yeah, she goes on, and, and uh, Gabriel Mott reminds Catherine that this invitation has to be kept secret, and uh, which you know she kind of knew and suggested that he accept the invitation and that Harvard would fall into line afterwards. 
And Julia, I, I, think, I think they both felt a little bit better that, you know, the, here's a solution that could work. And it just made, it, made her ease into how she felt about that. And that way, and, and Gabe was all excited because now they can all move to Edinburgh together and, right. and go to Islay and find the um, Lafroig distillery. <laughs> well, I just think it was, you know, it was a path forward that they hadn't considered mm -hmm. or they hadn't known if it would be possible. I think Gabriel had been thinking along these lines, like they'll be able to work something out. They all need to go together. But I think having Catherine's analysis and, you know, this should work. You have these relationships. You have, I have this relationship with this professor in Edinburgh. I really think this will come together. I think that just was, would have been so reassuring, mm -hmm. you know, when you're trying to do something that's not um, the obvious path. Sometimes it's nice to have that, um, that yeah, boost I mean, of confidence. And, you know, having Catherine there, who's obviously a woman in her 70s at that point in time, and she's dealt with a lot of different issues throughout her career that I'm sure she, you know, to have that um, mentorship in, behind you to, you know, help suggest things is also great. So. Absolutely. So now, you know, everything's all settled and Julie's feeling a little bit better. So it's Gabriel and so Catherine's like, well, I have a gift for Claire. I love this. So, you know, she probably had one of those nice little Hallmark bags or a little bit large Hallmark bags that you always look so pretty with mm -hmm. clothes and whatever. And uh, she, she handed it over to Julia and it was very heavy. And, uh, you know, so she's like, you know, she's brushing it aside and, uh, you know, cause they're both so grateful and, you know, they're, Pro, pro, you know, profusely going, Gabriel's like, well, you know, you've given us so much, thank you. And she's like, you know, okay, what, whatever. And she's over it already. So Julia said that uh, they had something to ask her, so she's kind of nudging Gabriel with her elbow. And I can just see that. I, I, that, that would be the good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, he leaned forward and saying to Catherine, uh, Julianne and I would like you to be the godmother to Claire. And without hesitation, she says, yes. <laughs> As Betty says, Lady Picton is on a mission. Operation, mm -hmm. become baby Claire's godmother. Absolutely. <laughs> mission accomplished she's, there, yeah, she's already She already started when I think when she found out that they were choosing. Julia was right, but. right, and she when she surmised that Julia was pregnant before they even mentioned it to mm -hmm. her, when she mm -hmm. noticed that Julia wasn't having wine with dinner. So yeah, so Gabriel and and Julia are kind of amused by how suddenly she says yes, and she said nothing. Uh, she she wanted nothing more, and she's as long as she's not stepping on anybody's toes. So I can imagine. I mean, she's met uh, obviously the powerhouse that's Rachel. Right. You know, and... Uh, right. You know, so that, and she knows Gabriel's fondness for his sister, too. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, so she, she's, you know, she's saying that she's, you know, baby's a little cold, let me push the blanket up under, adjusting it and everything. Because I think, I think Catherine would, more than anything in the world, love to have a baby to hang on to. 
Um, yeah. Oh, and and I don't know if you saw the comment Betty just put in Pam. Maybe, just maybe, Gabriel and Julia needed to kneel down in one knee and tell her all the reasons why they love her. I know. You know Lady Pictum has been waiting for this question since day one. Absolutely. <laughs> I, it's Absolutely. true, Betty. It's so true. So, you know, so it's Julia, you know, Gabriel, like, puts puts his hand, her hands on, his hands on Julia's shoulders and gives them a quick squeeze. Oh, because I think they were both so happy. <laughs> that she oh my gosh! Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like Catherine Picton is one of my favorite characters. Oh, and I know. She's no nonsense. I know. She well, and she is. You know, I I, I love the fact that it's actually a person who is in a, a real person as well. Mm-hmm. And like how SR kind of does that. And yeah. um, as Betty noted, Lady Picton is winning extra points, and you know, she is strong she is domineering and can be very intimidating you know like the queen mother right or, or like the queen herself um but you know at this point Catherine felt she was the one who was incredibly grateful and i i love this was this really shows such a tender side to her and it really shows her heart um she's incredibly grateful to be the godmother to a child born of two extraordinary people. And again, this is Catherine's love of Gabriel and Julia. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like in some ways this is the family she, she never had. Mm-hmm. And um, her family of choice, as I like to say, because I do think you have the family you're born to and then you have your family of choice. And those are the folks who are most dear um, to your heart. They can be people that you're related to, but they can also be people that you're a kindred spirit with. Um, And I think for Catherine, Gabriel and Julia were her family of choice. And she said, Gabriel, I expect great things from you. Um, And she always has. And she obviously knew um, and was probably not surprised that the Sage Lectures came calling for him because she she saw his talent early on mm-hmm. and she noted that Julianne at 26 years old already you're making a name for yourself um, and uh, looking here at the chat room we have a lot of comments flying so I want to mm-hmm. say a few of them um, there is no doubt in my mind Betty said that Lady Picton and Claire will bond over Dante and Beatrice I agree completely with mm-hmm. that and Ellie notes that Catherine has adopted them as her own. So naturally, Claire is the goddaughter and granddaughter she never had. She wants them to succeed where her former relationship didn't. She wants to help them not make the same mistakes that she made. And as Ashley noted, and I think that's a great point, Ellie. Mm-hmm. She's really trying to help them through the landmines. And Ashley noted that Lady Picton um, is our genius fairy godmother, mm-hmm. which I love. I think that's so true. And as Mon says, you are my family oh, of you. choice. Oh, Mon, that's so sweet. I feel that way, too. We have a very special family in our community. It's very grateful. It really has made this whole pandemic much more manageable. Um, so there was so many, you know, it was just a very special thing for uh, Catherine, and she was so, you can tell she's, I mean, she has such high standards, and she's so utterly proud of them, 
for their accomplishments as well um, academically. And she noted Don Wodehouse mentioned that it was Julia's paper that gave him the motivation for the workshop on Ulysses and Guido. Julia had challenged his reading of the Guido case, and he's still pondering it. And she said few people had ever challenged Professor Wodehouse. And he's quite obstinate. So, you know, it's a huge, huge effort. Um, and Julia blushed and thanked her. And um, yes, lots of love in the chat room. Group hug, as Betty said. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I'm thankful for you all. I really am. So as we continue on, um, Catherine said, now it's time for you to open your gift. Mm -hmm. Come on, folks. I'm aging as I'm sitting here. You know, you can imagine. It's getting grayer as I go. <laughs> so Julia carefully removed the wrapped gift from the bag and untying the ribbon and sliding her finger under the tape. You can, I can visualize how I could see Melanie doing this, right? As Julia so delicately mm -hmm. and um, caringly, carefully. Um, she placed the box on the coffee table, um, this beautiful carved wood, wooden box, and she lifted the lid and gasped. Gabriel looked at it and gave Catherine an incredulous look. Um, she said, pick it up, look at it. So Gabriel gently opened the love leather cover and read the title page and the incipit, which is the opening words of a text, manuscript, early printed book, or chanted liturgical text. I believe that's a Latin term. Mm -hmm. And Gabriel was simply amazed and motionless. Um, Catherine pointed out that it was a 15th century manuscript of La Vida Nuova. Uh, she said it also includes some minor poetry, and it was a copy of Simone Sardini's manuscripts. So, I mean, as we know, based on how the treasured illustrations were handled, um, these type of beautiful relics, texts, manuscripts, these words of Dante um, are so treasured by these uh, two who, and these three really, who've devoted their lives to studying Dante and his work. So I, what an incredibly precious yeah, gift. Yeah, that is an incredible um, gift. And, you know, it, it must have taken their breath away. I mean, I, I it took my breath away when we read it. <laughs> well, I wanted to see. If, um, I wanted to see if there was a real book out there. You know, because yes, you, know, you can make up anything in the story and make it sound real. But I wanted to see if there really was, and actually, there is. And um, there's a link to the Dante collection. Yes, and I'm posting book. it in the chat room right now, so you can actually and it's uh, uh, see it. There, you can see the writing of the they have photos of the writing in the manuscript and what the box looks like and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I didn't catch a price, but I would imagine it would go for at least five figures if you were to buy one. Uh, amazing. Um, and as uh, Betty noted, it's not the Velveteen Rabbit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's, uh, that is one fancy gift. We know Lady Picton is peculiar about who touches her books. Absolutely. And um, so you can tell that's like a huge, really a huge honor and a huge gift. 
and um, it's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel's, you know, was just almost incredulous. And he's like, how did you get this? Like, how did you get your hands on something? This um, really, in their minds, this is, you know, priceless in a way. And she said, old hut. And as you recall, hut was her, you know, was her beloved. Mm-hmm. Um Julia watched Catherine as her happiness was replaced by a look of regret. She had loved Professor Hickton, Professor Hutton, her supervisor at Oxford, but he had been married. Um, so as Catherine had admitted to her um, previously, Hutt had been in love with her. And her expression seemed to brighten as she admitted that old Hutt had found it in, had found it in a bookstore in Oxford years before. Mm-hmm. And um, that uh, surprised Gabriel um, very much that he actually was able to, you know, pick this up at a bookstore. Can you imagine? Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we had asked uh, SR, what possessed Catherine to give the Vita Nuova manuscript specifically to Claire as opposed to Juliet and Gabriel? Um, and SR said, I think it's customary for a godparent to gift the child with something meaningful. And perhaps Catherine likes Claire best, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was cool. I think, they um, I think, I think it was her way of just, you know, sharing with mm-hmm. the whole family. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, we also asked SR from your writer's perch, how and why did you select that as a gift? Mm-hmm. And he said, I thought about the kinds of treasures Catherine has in her possession, the likes of which she doesn't want movers to touch, <laughs> as you remember. Yeah, and I thought on. about what... Okay. Lizzie, you hold on. I've got to take this call, so... Sorry. Oh, sure, sure. I'll continue talk. on. I'll, I'll, I'll galley on. Hope all is well. Um... From your writer's perch, how and why did you select that as a gift? And he said, I thought about the kinds of treasures Catherine has in her possession, the likes of which she doesn't want movers to touch. And I thought about what she would particularly value. It made sense to think that over the years, she would have acquired rare volumes of Dante. And in this case, there's a connection to Old Hut, her supervisor. So I think that was really special. Um... So, you know, they were kind of overwhelmed by this. And I, I thought that was very clever and smart that SR had woven in um, this way to demonstrate that this is such a valuable gift to them. And <laughs> I, I love, I'm looking at the chat room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, yeah, I... The, the link, yeah, you guys saw the link. We have it in there twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ashley, make sure you check it out. SR should write a Picton prequel. That would I be would love that. Um, I think someone's mentioned that to him before, but I would love reading that story. That would be, uh, be wonderful and heart-wrenching at the same time, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I could put myself through reading that. Um, unrequited love is tough. Very. Um, 
And Betty said a typical godmother would give the baby uh, diamond earrings, but Lady Picton got, gives a priceless book. I wouldn't um, expect anything uh, less from her. <laughs> I know. Investment and meaningful, Ellie said. Um, Betty said baby Claire is the best of both worlds, the old mm -hmm. and the new. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> Betty asked if that was Richard calling you, Pam. Actually, <laughs> no, that was my wayward son. Yeah, I had a feeling it was. Yeah. Oh, uh, I wish only... it. I wish it would have been Richard. There you go. Who only calls me about uh, you know ar around the end of every month? That's it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Pam. And she's like, "Do you have thirty bucks I can borrow?" <laughs> mm hmm I get it. Um. And you know, is you know, family is family. So and that's why we have um, our family of choice as well. <laughs> that's right. We mm -hmm. we care for each other. Um, so Lori had actually noted too, um, the gift is even more meaningful because she got it from because of whom she got it from. And uh, I think you're right on that too, Lori. I do. Um, <laughs> And Betty says, oh, my God, in some crazy way, Professor Pickton's expertise love, like Dante and Beatrice, strong but forbidden. Yes, right? Mm -hmm. You're right about that, Betty. Mm -hmm. That is a Dante-Beatrice dynamic. And she said, I feel bad Lady Pickton never fell in love again. She deserves happiness. Well, that could be another, you know, instead of the prequel, it could be what's next, right? Mm -hmm. Um so, uh, you know, Gabriel was, you know, intrigued, you know, that Hutt found this at the museum and um, he had, she had said, she had noted that uh, she actually, that Hutt actually had the manuscript authenticated by a private museum in Switzerland. And did everybody's uh, ears, you know, did everybody think about where this may have been when you first read that phrase? I did. I was like, oh, does that mean? Is SR bringing us over to Nicholas? And he was. Um, they had also owned other manuscripts, and uh, Gabriel asked, uh, Where was this uh, authenticated? And she said it was the Cassara Foundation Museum near Geneva. <laughs> Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I had asked SR as well. And we do have the information, but I did verify with them. I said, I haven't had a chance to research this, but is that version of the manuscript real? And if so, is the pedigree you outlined in the chapter historically accurate? And he confirmed, yes. So what we're about to discuss mm -hmm. um, is true. This is this is historically valid. As you know, SR loves his research. Oh, yeah. Um, so the provenance, she explained, of the manuscript was it had belonged to Goliezzo Malatesta. He was married to Battista de Montefeltro, and his, her great-great-grandfather was Federico I, who mm -hmm. took over Urbino after Guido's death. So I love, too, the fact this kind of ties all in um, together. It's just really fascinating. And mm -hmm. Julia stopped short of touching the manuscript, saying she simply could not believe it. Batista joined the Franciscan order after her husband passed away. And she was a scholar in her own right, mm -hmm. um, which is really phenomenal 
back in the day, right? So um, I, I love the fact that SR is weaving in um, fantastic women uh, historians as well. Yeah, he does um, that really well. He does that. He, he does the shout outs to the, uh, the early uh, scholars. So she was not just a scholar in her own right. Um, she was also the grandmother to Costanzo Verano, a woman of great renown in the mid-15th century. Julia's interest in Guido and the Franciscans persuaded Catherine to give the manuscript um, to them because she mm -hmm. felt it belonged in their home. And again, I just think what a great, she's such a great supporter of them. And she's encouraging them. And the fact that Guido's actually caused her to have some recognition in the academic world with her her observations and her questioning of, of Wodehouse's interpretation. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so special. Yes. Um, and as, as Catherine said, it's a gift for her goddaughter. But she didn't mind if her parents read it as well. <laughs> and uh, that's Catherine making jokes, right? So yes, she was really absolutely. pleased with her own joke. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Lori said, it's never too late to fall in love. It would take a very strong man to keep up with Catherine, that's for sure. And, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> he says, I pray to God Lady Picton doesn't dance to the thong. That would be a bit weird, but I do enjoy this song. <laughs> well, you know. Hey, you're she never too she old. There's one. <laughs> This is true. Maybe we could ask SR that next time. <laughs> it's a possibility. Oh my gosh. So um, uh, that made Betty laugh, she said, with uh, when Catherine was pleased with her own joke. Mm, um, well, hey, you know what? If you can't laugh at your own jokes, whose jokes can you laugh at? Ex exactly. As, as a certain listener would, would know, I do laugh a lot at my own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of your charm, Pam. Yeah. It's part of your charm. Um, so, you know, Kathleen just took such great pleasure um, watching Julie and Gabriel fawning all over the manuscript. She just, I, I think, giving that gift was such um, a joyful moment. And she told them that's her, that, you know, she's pointing out things. There's some interesting marginalia and a few illuminations and. Julia may find something relevant for her research in the document. Julia thanked and hugged Catherine, and Gabriel repeated the gesture. Not bad for an old spinster, mm -hmm. um, as Catherine noted, um, and her voice was holding back the emotion, and she tried to hide her sniffling by pointing out some interesting features of the manuscript, being, you know, the very stiff upper lip written mm -hmm. um, that she was, and Julian Gabriel pretended not to notice the tears on her cheeks, which was so sweet. And we asked SR, um, you know, we can think of several possible reasons, but why was Catherine teary as Gabriel and Julie embraced her? You know, I, I wanted to hear his, his take and his perspective on that. And SR said, I think perhaps Catherine wanted a family with old Hut, but that just wasn't possible. But now she has the Emersons. That's true. And that, that is, true. they are her family. 
and I just think it's beautiful. I, it was just a really well, such a beautifully woven chapter. You know, there's a lot of stuff that was we could unpack in it. You know, from from the days, you know, from the insecurity about age and the uncertainty of how to how Julia is going to finish her doctorate pursuit, mm-hmm. what they're going to do with the sage lectures, um, if they could turn it back, the the ghosts of Toronto haunting them, um, and then the the joy about having Claire's uh, godmother be Catherine. And having that resolved after that very emotional time with Rachel and wanting mm-hmm. Rachel to do it and then realizing she couldn't. Um, it was just a lot. I, this chapter really, and it also kind of shifted the book into the next level, like took it to the next uh, the next step, um, mm-hmm. going from the, the early days of the birth of Claire and uh, Julia's um, really, really... Uh, insecure her insecurity about what she's going to do it it kind of gave a a nice lift and hope Mm -hmm. so ashley's heading out um for sparring live with julio have a good one enjoy ashley enjoy how he works out oh my gosh i really i hope there's gonna be a way to see it that'll be great but if not that's okay i'm sure hopefully someone will save it so i'm sure i'm He'll probably he'll probably post it at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. I hope it, for charity. I hope they raise a lot of money. I hope it, I, I hope it I hope it promotes the awareness and does what um, they're hoping for it to do. do. Yeah, yeah. Actually, and all things that's you know another great thing. We have such a good caring cast of uh, people who made that production, and really happy that they're able to help each other out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes, Betty, Lady Picton saying, I'm not crying. You're, you're crying. crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. well. She wouldn't admit to it, but. <laughs> no. No, and yeah. I think I think they were sensitive enough to know not to go into it. You know, to right. say anything to her about it. Right. They know. The, the love is there. The love is real. Her guidance, her caring, her support of them through mm-hmm. the trials and tribulations of Toronto. Um, you know, and, and likewise for for her. They know, she knows that they are supportive of her. And, um, you know, I just, I love, I love that relationship. I love mm-hmm. the relationship mm-hmm. with Catherine and the Emersons. And I look forward to seeing how that grows. In yeah, the chapters yeah. to come. Yeah, it's gonna it it'll be interesting. Yeah. She's gonna spoil that baby rotten forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she's gonna be demanding too, a little bit. Absolutely. Know. I mean, you know, Catherine Picton actually reminds me of an old neighbor that I had growing mm. up. Her name was Katie Coleman. And uh, she was a tough broad uh, and I say that in the kindest of terms. I really do. Yeah. She, um, her husband was a, uh, he had his PhD in, uh, I, math, I think. I don't know, physics, some, I, I mean, he, he was out there. And she, you know, while he was quiet, she was bold, you know. 
And if this is the type of woman who, when the Mustang first came out in the 60s, she, mm-hmm. bought, she bought a brand new red Mustang convertible. And at the time, um, one of the gas stations, I think it was Exxon or the, or mobile, whatever, you put a child in your tack, um, uh, 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 tiger in your tank. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, I remember that ad campaign. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so instead of having the tiger tail hanging out of the tank, she went out and bought <laughs> a brown long, long fall that you women would put on as a for a ponytail. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so she had that hanging out of uh her thing. <laughs> oh my, oh my gosh. god. So yes, yeah, so she was, She mean, sounds like a piece of work. <laughs> she dubbed her yeah. needlepoint and her <laughs> stairs going to her, to her second floor. Mhm. She needlepointed every the, the, the whole stale running. Wow. Yeah. And um, she... Oh my gosh, that's a lot of needlepoint. That's a lot of needlepoint. She would also do... Um, <laughs> um, what was it? Oh, gin and tonics. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, I know. Um, I, I I can only imagine that she she would have been one to keep keep people in line. Um, Ellie's noting that God forbid Claire steps out of line, um, and the Emersons have to call Catherine in. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. And I um, I just uh, you know, as we wrap up, I wanted to point out. Um, and I didn't mention it earlier when we were talking about the Lenox Hotel. Um, they actually have a fireside package, and I'm going to put that link in here. You can check it out, but you can envision it. It actually has a picture in front of the fireplace of like a tea set, so you can really kind of visualize um, mm-hmm. what Gabriel and Julia and Catherine were looking at. Um, and yeah, and. Pa- <laughs> <laughs> Betty, I knew you would mention him. I was waiting. I was waiting. Um, Betty uh, says, Baby Claire is going to have an interesting childhood. Lady Picton will teach her about Dante and Beatrice. Her dad will teach her how to buy designer clothes. Her mom will teach her about helping people in need and how to be humble. Excellent. And her uncle Paul will teach her how to milk a cow. Always an important chore. <laughs> That's right. I knew you'd get Paul in there. Absolutely. <laughs> he never disappoints. <laughs> and if you want to check out the check out tea by the fire, um, this makes me want to go to this hotel. My gosh, I love, SR has great. I he love has great taste. Teas. You know, it's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I have never had. One. This actually, if you read the package, this one probably is hot chocolate because they have a um, they have a chocolatier in Boston that they work with. But you mm-hmm. can see it's so beautiful. I just want to jump in that picture and snuggle up 
-hmm. into the by a warm fire instead of getting ready to go outside into a rainy afternoon <laughs> here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, really. Well, I can remember when um, when I was in Ireland, we my, they served tea at a certain time every day at, at this one hotel we stayed in. And mm. it was Ash, uh, Ashford Castle, and which is in County, Kong County Mayo. It's like on the mayo Galway border. And mm. uh, grounds are beautiful. If you ever want to see anything about them, go watch A Quiet Man, because a lot of The Quiet Man was filmed in there film there um but you went in and you sat at this really nice table they had the clotted cream and, oh and the tea mm. and my husband looked at me as if I was out, out off my off my rocker and which was fine I promise <laughs> <laughs> I think it's lovely I really do so, and, and Lori noted here, I'm checking out the rest of the uh, chats. Um, I know, I, I, that will be when we all get together again, if we're all traveling, we could do a formal tea. I think that would be fun. We should, we should do fun. that in honor of Catherine. Um, Lori said, Claire is blessed, Betty. Paul can teach her more than just milking cows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Claire is blessed. She has a lot of love in her life, and I feel... I feel like we all do um, mm -hmm. through this community. So I'm very thankful for all of you. Um, thank you so much um, for joining us today. Um, we have we have so many good discussions. And good morning, Shell. We're actually starting. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up soon. I'm glad you could pop in and say hello. Mm -hmm. uh, we just uh, discussed chapter. 16 can't believe we're on chapter 16 of gabriel's promise already mm -hmm. and you'll see in the chat box a little way up um i put a link to the lennox hotel fireplace experience um if you check on the link you'll be able to see a picture of the fire and the setting where gabriel julia and Catherine um had their tea so no, I'm sorry you missed us earlier, but we're glad you were able to pop in and yes. say hi. So, um, and you can always listen to the the podcast, the rebroadcast on yeah, it, iTunes, a, TuneIn, Mixler, SoundCloud. Amazon Music, SoundCloud. Yeah. Wherever you get your favorite <laughs> podcast. Anyway. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so anyway, gang, um, I know that Leslie has some stuff she's got to do with for her daughter, and I'm being bombarded by my son on text messages. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Patrick. Um, and uh, I got to start getting ready because it's going to take me about a half an hour to, to get over to where I have to go. So, for my shot today. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Well, good luck um, with I, that. I, I, as as my brother-in-law says, you're having the chip put in so that the 5G can watch you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh no chips today no chips today just modern medicine miracles mm -hmm. so that's great yes. thank you betty um so. we had a fun doing this one um we have fun doing every podcast and it really was something i was looking forward to all week um to talk about this so take care everybody um, be safe and be kind to each other. You do. 
And uh, what are we uh, uh, we are going out to, going Tammy? Prime Circle. She always gets what she wants. Love it. Okay, we'll Take care. Here. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>